really is good to see you all this morning. My name is Peter. I'm one of the pastors here at Gateway. We have two congregations in the city, one that meets here and one that meets down in South Osborne. And if you're new with us, as Ken said, it's great to have you with us. We've spent our summer in the Psalms. It's been a wonderful opportunity to spend time just in the Word of God together and encouraging each other in that. We had 16 different speakers on Sundays and on Thursdays, 15 of whom are right from Gateway. And it was great to hear them share their heart of what God has spoken to them through the Psalms. It's been a very rich summer. The summer Psalm series was intended as an encouragement into a real honest relationship with God, like the psalmist had. And this fall, now we're going back into Matthew. We began in the summer and we're starting again at the fall here before the summer. And the chapter we're looking at today is chapter 6. And in chapter 6, Jesus encourages us again in our honesty and sincerity with God. We can either have a real relationship with God or a religious relationship. And Jesus defines the difference here in Matthew 6. So please turn there if you have a Bible. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. And it's going to come up on the screen behind me if you don't have a Bible with you this morning. We're just going to read the first 18 verses together, uh, beginning with verse 1. This is Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1. Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, And pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. But do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites or this girl on the screen. For they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. 
Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you spoke these words into being. Just as you spoke creation into being, through your words, your words have creative power to change things, to transform things, to take things that are dark and make them into light, to take things that are formless and to bring form into those places. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you would take the words of Jesus today and you will form light in us. You will form creatively what is needed in us to be able to grow in our relationship with our Father in heaven. I pray you'd help us in that this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. In the previous chapter, Jesus has been teaching the people who are around him on the mount about how to be like their father in heaven. And he finishes with this strong statement, be perfect then, even as your heavenly father is perfect. That is not a comment, as we said before the summer, that is meant to condemn us or made to make us feel bad and unworthy and we don't add up. In many ways, it was a phrase like Jesus' other phrases. Be healed. Let your sins be forgiven. He's speaking life into people. Be perfect. Even as your heavenly father is perfect. And if we receive his speech into our lives by faith, the power of the Holy Spirit, the perfect Holy Spirit that is in us, works within us to help form us and make us more like our father in heaven. But you might ask at the end of that statement, Well, Lord, what do we practically need to do to cooperate with you in what you want to do in us in making us like your father? And so Jesus here in chapter five, in chapter six, unpacks for us how we can cooperate with God in this process. And as he speaks to these people on the mount, what he says is not news to them. In fact, everything he tells them to do in this chapter, they already understand, because they are Hebrews, as being part of the religious life. Giving, praying, fasting. They're just part of their ordinary lives for those people. But for many of them, it had become a dead routine rather than the life-giving purpose which Jesus had in mind. And so Jesus isn't saying to them, you need to totally change your lives. He's saying to them, you've got the right ideas already. You're just going about them the wrong way. And so he explains to them how to get life out of what they've already been thinking they should be doing. And instead of just doing it because it's the thing to do, religious relationship with God he wants to turn it into a real relationship with God and something that has delight right in the core of it 
How does Jesus turn his hearers towards delight in their relationship with God? He starts with three encouragements. And I'm going to give you those three encouragements this morning. And then we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to ask God what he wants to say to us through the Lord's Prayer this morning. So first of all, three encouragements for Jesus in how we can participate with him and with the Holy Spirit in becoming more like our Father in heaven. And the first one is this. Practice the spiritual disciplines regularly. Jesus says to them in verse 2, when you give to the needy. He's not talking about the giving of their tenth that they gave regularly into the places where they worshipped. The almsgiving, the giving to the needy, was beyond that. Jesus is assuming that they are already doing that. And he says, when you give to the needy. Jesus goes on in verse 5 and says, when you pray. And then in verse 16, when you fast. Jesus is encouraging his readers not to give up doing these things. Even if they feel more like maybe just duty and discipline. But to keep doing them. And it seems that he's assuming they're going to be doing them regularly. In the prayer, the Lord's Prayer, as we all know, many of us know, he says, give us this day our daily bread. He's assuming that every day they're going to be praying and they're going to be praying for their daily bread. When you give, when you pray, when you fast. Don't give up on the spiritual disciplines. Some of us here this morning, we might have started doing these things years ago. And maybe we felt they were just dry for us and so we stopped doing them. Maybe some of us this morning think we don't have to do that. A relationship with God happens because God does something for us, which he does. And we don't have to make any investment back into that relationship. Maybe many of us have been doing these things. And Jesus is just encouraging us to keep going this morning. And to go and seek the delights that God has for us through these spiritual disciplines. Whatever it is that Jesus is saying to us this morning, let's open our hearts to receive it. He says, practice the spiritual disciplines regularly. And that is as true now, 2,000 years later, as it was back then. If we want to grow in our delight in a relationship with God, if we want to become who he wants us to become, like him, Jesus says, continue to practice your spiritual disciplines and do them regularly. Secondly, Jesus says this, Practice the spiritual disciplines in reality. I was driving to school the other day with the girls. I think it was the second day of school in many places in River East. I think it was the first day of their schooling. And I saw something a little different on the side of the road. There was a group of parents who were standing with their children waiting for the River East school bus. And what I noticed was this, that all the women had dark glasses on. Big dark glasses. Well, that shouldn't be surprising. It's summer, except it was cloudy, very cloudy. The sun was nowhere to be seen. And I said to the girls in the car, look at all those women with their dark glasses on. It's not even sunny. Why are they wearing dark glasses? And a voice chimed up from the back seat and said it was probably to hide the bags that were under their eyes. (laughs) 
because they haven't had a chance to put their makeup on yet. I don't know if that's the truth. (laughs) But many of us sometimes feel that we need to put something on that masks what's really going on underneath. And Jesus encourages his hearers, don't do that in your relationship with God. He uses a particular word. He uses the word hypocrites. The word hypocrite was used in those days of Greek and Roman actors who acted out in the theater. And many of them used masks. You maybe have seen pictures of them. Some of those masks were very big. And some of them had mechanical devices in them that made your voice bigger. So that they could speak into the mask and you could hear way at the back of the auditorium. But it was not really their voice and it wasn't their face. And that is what a hypocrite is in their understanding. And Jesus says to his hearers, when you come before God... When you come to speak to God, when you give, when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't put a mask on. Don't put it on for show so that everybody can look at you and say, oh, wow, you're doing such a good job of this or that or the other. Be real. Be yourself. You know you don't have to put a mask on with God. He sees right through it anyway. But in our relationship with God, if we want to grow into who God wants us to be, we need to be real with God and we need to be real with each other. He's telling them to not do these things so people will praise them or think well of them. And that's why he encourages them to do it in secret. When you pray, he says, for instance, go into your room and close your door. Do you know, most of them didn't have a room inside their house with a door that they could close. They didn't have a secret prayer closet like some of us are able to have. So what did Jesus mean? Well, Jesus means this. He's encouraging them to develop a secret, hidden life with God. That is not shouted from the rooftops. So that when they do come together in the open to pray together, to give together, there are times for that, to fast together, it comes out of the reality of a life with God that is already happening. Jesus is asking for intimacy. Jesus is asking for integrity. Jesus is asking for reality. Develop a secret life with God. Practice these spiritual disciplines in that secret life with God. Do it for real. And finally, Jesus says in these three points, practice spiritual disciplines for reward. Really? Shouldn't we just do it because it's the right thing to do? Well, sometimes that's a great place to start. There's nothing wrong with doing spiritual disciplines out of duty and discipline. There are many times in our walk and seasons when that's all you have. You might be getting no delight out of it at all. I want to encourage you this morning, don't give up. Don't give up. So there are times to keep doing it just for duty and discipline. But that's not the motivation that Jesus lays out for all these people who are around him. Jesus says, give, pray, and fast 
for the reward. Do it for the reward. He lays that out before them. Jesus actually says there are rewards however we do it. The hypocrite gets a reward. That reward might be the well done of somebody who's watching. But that's the only reward they'll get. And if you've ever done anything for that sort of reward, and I have, that reward doesn't last very long. It doesn't satisfy. Have you ever done something in ministry and then waited around hoping that someone will say something good about it afterwards? You know you've given that prophetic word and you're just waiting for someone to say that was really good and nobody says anything. Have you ever had that moment? And you're driving home in the car and you're feeling a little insecure. and Oh no, what did I do? And maybe everybody thinks I'm really silly and I must have been so far off the mark. And, and you're worrying about it. And then this little voice comes through to you in your mind and says, Peter, I thought you did that just for me. And you realize, yes, Lord. I think I did it for more than just you. I wanted other people to say, oh, that was good. I've done it. I probably do it more than once, many times, in different ways. We have to adjust our hearts back. Lord, we're doing it for you. It's the secret place that matters. It's what you say to us that really matters. And it's lovely to be thanked for things and to be encouraging of other people. But if we do it just for that, we get a reward. Sometimes, sometimes we don't. But it's a very small reward. But Jesus says if we have this secret life with God, then he will reward what we do in secret. Listen to him. When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. But when you pray... Go into your room, shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret and your father who is in secret will reward you. When you fast, anoint your head, wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. What are those rewards? Well, Jesus goes on to unpack some of them in the next few verses. And I encourage you to go away and read them uh, after today. You'll be encouraged by them. He talks about treasures in heaven. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. That's what happens if you're a hypocrite. You get the praise of men. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, he says. You know when you practice your spiritual disciplines with the right motivation, you're storing up treasure in heaven. I don't know what that looks like, but it sounds good. And then he goes on and talks not just about what's going to happen in heaven in the future, but he talks about our daily provision now. He talks about food. He talks about clothing. He says, if you will seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. But you know, the greatest reward is this. A deepening intimacy in relationship with God himself. Our father in heaven. Getting to know him. Hearing his heart, his thoughts. The treasure in heaven is wonderful. 
The blessings on earth are great, but the greatest pleasure a man or woman can ever have is a real, living, close, personal, soul-satisfying relationship with our Father in heaven through Jesus Christ in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And ultimately, that is what turns all of our duty and all of our discipline into delight. And as we pursue God in these things, that's what will happen. Because Jesus promises it. You will be rewarded. God is a father who loves to reward those who pursue him. Without faith, it says in Hebrews 12, it's impossible to please him. For whoever draws near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So if Jesus were here today in the flesh, and we were to say to him, Jesus, how are we supposed to grow into what the father has for us and to being more like our father? Jesus would say this. Practice your spiritual disciplines regularly. Practice your spiritual disciplines in reality. Be real. Practice your spiritual disciplines for the reward. Do it with hope of delight that is to come. That's a good motivation in God for doing things. So let's look at the central of those disciplines this morning. Let's look in more detail at prayer. And I hope that this will help those of us this morning who need extra encouragement to make a renewed commitment to pursuing the delightful rewards of God through the discipline of prayer. Jesus gives us a framework. We used to pray this. I don't know, like you, every morning we prayed it in our secular school in England when we were growing up, along with singing hymns. And prayers every morning in our secular school. We have come a long way down since then. Our children wouldn't even think that was possible. This prayer is not something that is meant to be dropped off. And that was for those religious organizations in those times. This is a framework for a daily prayer. And it's as helpful now as it was then. I, along with many of us here at Gateway, was trained in praying this prayer on a daily basis back in the 90s. We used it for our corporate prayer times. We used it in our personal prayer times. And I prayed using this prayer in the mornings for years. And then after a while, I changed what I did. Got a little more creative with my prayers. Went in a little different direction over the next few years. And I want to tell you, and it's just a personal testimony, that didn't go so well for me. I lost consistency. I lost focus in what I was doing. And this year, I've come back to this prayer. I've made it the staple of my morning prayers. And it's brought life back to me in prayer again and hope. So I want to encourage you. If you need a framework, if you need someone to help you in your devotions, this is a great way to do it. Let's go through it briefly. And like the spiritual disciplines, for Jesus' hearers, this prayer was nothing new in many ways. Much of the prayer was stuff they already prayed in their prayer calendars. The words are often very similar. But there's some interesting balances that Jesus brings to the words. And you can see it in the phrases that he uses in this prayer. And that's what we're going to talk about as we close this morning. First of all this, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. 
Our Father was a fairly common way to start Hebrew prayers in Old Testament times, particularly in the times of the Second Temple. And the concept of a heavenly Father is also in the Old Testament in a number of different scriptures. It's a wonderfully warm, devotional, relational, family-oriented way to begin a prayer. This is not a formal entry. We can make it into a formal entry, but this is dad. Hey, dad. Papa in heaven. It's an opening into that warm relational life that we were talking about with God. And what is the balance here? Well, the balance is in this. Papa, dad, daddy in heaven. Hallowed be your name. We have a wonderful entry into the heart of the most high God. We have a wonderful way into intimacy and into closeness with him. We can call him our Abba and our Father. But that name is not to be misused or abused. It is to be hallowed, which means to be set apart as holy, to be set apart and above every other name. When we come into our relationship with God in the secret place, we do it with warm love and devotion, and we do it with reverent and holy fear. Both are appropriate. And those things are not against each other. They work together. They're in harmony together. Father in heaven, hallowed be your great name. And it's also a request. We're asking that God would set apart his name as holy in our lives and in the events of our world. There are some pretty life-shaking and world-shaking events going on today. In Florida, in Myanmar, places around the world, shocking things. Mexico going on. Our Father, hallow your name over these situations. Whatever happens, let your name be glorified and set apart as holy. In my life, Father, in the lives of my children, my wife, my family, would you set apart your name as holy? We want to bring glory to your name. We don't want to be like Moses. Moses was the meekest man on the face of the earth. And in most ways, we'd want to be like Moses. But when Moses got himself really frustrated with the people one day because they were whining and complaining, God said to him, speak to that rock, Moses, and I will bring water out of the rock. But Moses was over the edge. He'd had it with all of this complaining. And he said to them, oh, you rebellious people, do I have to provide for you? And he got his stick and he struck the rock. The water came out, which was the grace of God. But God had a little chat with Moses afterwards, and he said this, Moses, you didn't have faith to present me honorably before the people. In other words, you presented me as an angry, old, bad-tempered man who'd lost his patience. That's how you presented me. In essence, you didn't hallow my name before the people, Moses. And because of that, Moses never got into the promised land. He saw it, but he never entered. Don't let's be like Moses. Let our names hallow, our, our lives hallow the name of the Lord so that it's not just a prayer, but it's a lifestyle. 
in our workplaces. Everything we do, we do it with integrity. We do it in reality. We do it in a way that hallows and sets apart and honors the name of God that we bear as his children. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. This is the second balancing phrase. Let me unpack it for you. For the people who are listening, they had a very clear idea in their mind of what your kingdom come would mean. They could see in their mind's eyes probably a great king on a white charger entering Jerusalem at the head of a great army to come and to take over the kingdom and to establish the throne of David forever and ever. A kingdom that would spread across the face of the earth and would reign from sea to sea and from shore to shore. That's what they thought in their mind when they're praying, your kingdom come. But that isn't how the kingdom was going to come. And so Jesus teaches them to pray, not just your kingdom come, but your will be done. Lord, we want your kingdom, but we want it your way. How you want it, when you want it. Lord, even if we don't understand it, we want you to bring the kingdom in your way. They had the right prayer, but they had the wrong plan. And so Jesus balances their prayer. And says, if you pray your kingdom come, you'd better pray afterwards, your will be done. Because the chances are, you think this kingdom's going to come in a way that is the wrong way in your own mind. And you have to adjust your heart to get into the will of God. We have a wonderful um, example of that uh, that's happened among us this year. And I want to encourage Gary, who's just come back in here. Come on, Gary. Come up to the front here and Liz. And I want them to share a little bit of their testimony this morning. You might have been joining with us in the great joy of their marriage this year uh, as they saw them uh, come together in that. But you might not know the whole story. Let's give them a welcome this morning as they come up. So Gary and Liz, welcome here. Probably at the beginning of the year, you had no idea that you would be here. Right now, right? And the rewards of God have gone beyond your furthest dreams. Isn't God amazing? Let's uh, hear a little bit about your story. So Gary, for you, you had a heart to be married. You had a heart to come together, but you were struggling with some things. Can you tell us about some of the things you were struggling with? Um, basically, um, actually, um, I, started, I started to... As you, as you were talking about um, about personal disciplines, I, w- I was actually doing that uh, in January, and uh, and some things I don't know if you guys can hear me. Can you hear me? Because my voice is sort of giving me uh, problems here. But um, you know, it was basically. I was I was longing to have relationship with Jesus through these past two years. God has and still is strong in my life because with with the journey that I'm still on, God really has given me spiritual disciplines that I still 
I'm doing today. That's great, Gary. You know, and I really appreciate for all the prayers and all the healings that God has done over these past two months, throughout four months, I think, whatever it is now. Very good. But I mean, God, God has, God has really strengthened me, and and with um, and I started to like in February, I started to go to the prayer furnace on a regular basis at four o'clock in the afternoon, and I was I was praying with God, and. Um, and then Liz started to uh, come, come, um, come and pray, pray after me. And I prayed one, one, one uh, after, like one afternoon when she, when she was here just before I left from praying. And I prayed for her. And God based, uh, like I really felt, okay, like this was like she's starting to, like it was actually on a regular basis, she was coming at at five o'clock, and and it was basically, I felt like, um, all of a sudden I started to realize, man, she's a nice lady, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I pray, I prayed in the car. I said to God, you know, like, if this if this is this is what you want, would you make it happen? And um, and when I went on the retreat, God has set, God this, sent me the, the set free retreat. Set free, free, okay. set free, free retreat. God really set me free from, um, and also helped me to surrender my singleness mm-hmm. to the Lord. And February fourteenth was the day that I said to God, um, "No matter, no matter what, no matter what you what you do in my life." God, I surrender my singleness to you. And also, you are still my first love. And he still is. Yeah, very good, Gary. So you were praying that God's kingdom would come in this area of a relationship. But you were still wrestling your way into whatever the will of God was for your life. Yes, yes. But on February the 14th, Valentine's Day, you made uh, uh, that decision to submit yourself to whatever God's plans for your life. So what happened then? Uh, about a week later, me and Liz uh, uh, went out for the first time, and uh, and and I never looked back. <laughs> That's wonderful, Gary. That's wonderful. So, Liz, you had your own journey uh, in this, and you were struggling with some other things, and then you went to the set for your retreat as well. Tell us what happened there. Well, I've struggled with depression for much of my life since I was an adolescent. But um, in the three or four years before the set free retreat, it was a particularly bad episode. It was particularly long um, and particularly dark, the depression that I was going through. And I found it very hard to see God and to hear his voice. Um, and so when I went on the set free retreat, I mean, I can, the only, the best way to describe it is to say that I was set free. And it wasn't just that I was set free from the depression, which was amazing because it had been going on for so long and it felt eternal and, you know, looking forward, it felt that that's all I had. So I was set free from that depression, which was great, but I, I, I've had like a completely new thought pattern in terms of how I see myself, how I see myself in God's eyes and the value and the worth that I have in God's eyes that I've never, ever had before, depressed or not. Wow, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. That's great. So Liz, how long had you struggled with these things? With 
the depression or yeah. with the, the depression? Well, I've been struggled with it since I was a teenager on and off, but it had been years that's this particular, three or four, this wow. particular episode. Wow. So. And obviously you'd been looking to get married as well. And that's been yeah. a prayer for how many years as well? Oh yeah. My entire life. I've been planning my wedding since I was four. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful. So you came to the set free retreat. You met God. Yeah. He transformed your thinking. And the way you thought, and within a week after that, you guys were getting together and uh, dating, and and look where you are today. I I would have never even been able to accept Gary's love before the set free retreat. Like I wouldn't have, yeah, I wouldn't have been able to. I didn't feel worthy of it. So yeah, wow, is that special? Yeah, thank you guys. There are areas in all of our lives where we have heart desires that feel like they're not coming together. The years that those two prayed, I mean, just to honor them, they've been amazing. How they've stuck with the Lord and to watch them go through ups and downs and some terrible, terrible lows, health-wise, mental health-wise, just where's God in all of this? But they stuck it through with God kept going back to that place of prayer isn't it wonderful it was the prayer furnace where they first started to notice each other maybe there's a sign there for somebody (laughs) but here's the thing all the way through those years God knew what he was going to do all the way through and he just kept drawing them out come on come on Come on, come on, Lord, it's hard. Lord, it's difficult. My knees are hurting. My elbows are hurting. I, Lord, I'm a, I don't know how to even get the next arm up to move. Come on, come on, come on. I have something for you that is so wonderful that when people hear about it, they will not believe how wonderful it is because I am a rewarder of those who diligently seek me. Don't give up today. Don't give up. You've given up on praying? Don't give up. Given up on giving away generously? Don't give up. Given up on fasting? Lord, what does fasting do? Don't give up. It says, Lord, beyond anything else, beyond praying, beyond, it's not beyond praying, beyond eating, beyond all the stuff that I have in my life, Lord, I want you more than anything else. Don't give up. Amen? Amen. Let's bring this to a close. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus is encouraging us to pray every day for our daily bread. Where does your financial provision come from? The Lord. Oh, it comes from my workplace. Well, who gave you the skills to do that work? Who gave you the strength to get up every day to do it? Who gave you that job? Who gave your boss the creativity and whatever to make that job a possible place for you to work in? God. God is the provider of all things. He opens his hand and he provides for the needs of every living thing. We read in the Psalms this summer. God is your provision. God is your supply. Jesus says, don't look to your wage packet. Don't look to your RSPs. Don't look to what you might have or not have. Don't look to those things. Look to God and ask God for your daily bread.
Whose bank account would you rather be living off anyway? Pray for your daily bread. We have a God who's looking to reward our prayers. And forgive. Lord, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That word trespass means wandering away from the path. Wandering into places where we shouldn't be. Jesus knows that we are wanderers and not in a good way. Even as Christians, we can wander off the path so simply. Get ourselves somewhere watching something, talking about something, or whatever, gossip or something. And suddenly we've trespassed in a place where we shouldn't be. Jesus says, in the same phrase that he says, pray daily for your daily bread. He says, forgive us our trespasses. Jesus understood that for us, we needed to be daily repenting of our wandering away from the will of God and wandering into places where we shouldn't be. Because that's what we do. And in any real relationship, marriage relationship with your kids or whatever, there needs to be an ongoing cleaning up of what was wrong. That's necessary in a relationship, right? Maybe somebody I think said once, if you're not repenting regularly to your wife, something's wrong with your relationship. (laughs) You might think the opposite, but the fact is we all wander. We all make mistakes. So Jesus says daily, forgive, ask for forgiveness from the Lord and forgive other people. He actually says, forgive the other people before you ask for forgiveness. He says, forgive us our trespasses even as we have forgiven already other people's trespasses. Don't come to me and ask for forgiveness if you're not willing to forgive other people. And he connects it. It's the same sentence as give us this day our daily bread. It's all part of the same phrase. If you want to live in the glorious provision and the goodness of God, live in forgiveness. Receiving it from God, repenting of our sin regularly, and receiving and giving it away to other people. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And if we're living in that situation, if we're living with our lives wrestled into the will of God, if we're living in that place of ongoing forgiveness and repentance, if we're living in that place of living out of whatever God says to us, then his provision comes to us. And we can pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation. Better than asking forgiveness for trespassing is not to trespass in the first place. Do you pray every day, Lord, don't let me be tempted today. Don't lead me into temptation. Jesus was still tempted. We can still be tempted. We are tempted, but maybe we aren't tempted quite so much. I can tell you this prayer works. If you pray every day that God will lead you not into temptation, you will discover that you will be tempted less. Why? Because God answers prayer. Why wouldn't he? And then, Lord, deliver us from evil. Whatever evil the enemy has against us, deliver us from that. Let me give you a a picture from today, this week, to, to close with about all of that. As we all know our history, but just for the sake of those of you who might be visiting with us, we've been in a journey with God. A few years ago, God spoke to us about expansion and growing. Lord, what does that mean for us? And we had an idea. We were praying your kingdom come, but we had an idea of what that meant. And it did not mean leaving this property and this community that we've been a part of and moving out onto a field in West St. Paul. 
That was not part of our plan. But as we worked through it, we realized that we were bumping into things and things weren't coming together. And so we didn't just need to pray, your kingdom come. We had to submit our hearts, which Jesus encourages us to do daily, into the will of God. Lord, let your will be done in our lives. And God started to lead us and guide us in a different direction from what we'd done before. And so we prayed, Lord, would you provide for us? Give us our daily bread. We need to be able to do what we can do. And so God provided us out of the generosity of your own hearts. And we were able to buy the land in West St. Paul. And we're in the completion stages of finishing that off. But in order to build, we needed to sell Panet Road. And so we kept praying, Lord, would you help us to sell? We gave generously. We prayed. We even fasted. But nothing seemed to be breaking. Earlier in the year at one of our prayer summits, we had a time of listening prayer. God, what are you saying to us in this? And more than one person said to us, we feel that God's going to give us two offers. Well, we didn't have one offer on the table anymore. And so we came into the fall. We're feeling God wants to move this forward. We're praying, praying, Lord, would you help us to have a breakthrough? Last Thursday, we prayed and fasted. And thank you for all of those of you who fasted and prayed with us. Thank you for those who came out to the prayer summit on Thursday night. We had a wonderful time and we aligned ourselves again under the will of God. Lord, would you break through for us? But your kingdom come and your will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. Sell Panet Road. We go into the long weekend. The long weekend, all the working days of the weekend are gone. And so the next week, uh, working day is Tuesday. Tuesday morning, Dale gets an email from our realtor. A letter of intent from a new developer into the process to purchase the north seven acres of our property. The next working day after our prayer summit, after the long weekend. Wow. But God wasn't done. Later on the very same day, email number two from another group, a letter of intent wanting to purchase the whole property. In one day, two letters of intent. Is God faithful? God is faithful. Is it a wrestling match to get into the will of God? Oh, we've all wrestled over this. But do we want his will or our will? Do we want his name to be glorified above everything else? And do we trust him that as we submit our will to his will, he's going to provide for all our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus? God is on the move. He's on the move with us. And I want to encourage us this morning. I believe Jesus would encourage us. Come back to those spiritual disciplines. If you've left them, if you're doing them, carry on with them. Carry on with giving generously. Carry on with praying. Carry on with fasting. But do it believing that God is going to answer those prayers. And he's going to reward us like Gary and Liz far beyond anything that we could ask or imagine. If you look inside your bulletin, if you take your bulletin right now, you pull out some prayer goals inside of here. These are the prayer goals that we've had for the year at Panet Road. Um, But this is the updated version as of this week. We're going to try and do this fairly regularly for you to inform your prayers. 
because we know that many of you love to pray and you just want to know where things are at. So this will tell you the up-to-date versions of what's going on with the building, what's going on in other areas, the school, we're praying for the school, and so that you can pray along with us. All right, And I want to encourage you to use this as a way of praying and praying together. Because when we agree in prayer together, there's a special power and anointing that comes with that. But I just want to have a little bit of quiet right now at the end of this morning. And just ask, Holy Spirit, what have you said to us today? What have you said to me personally? I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit that. You might be here today and you're thinking, Peter, I don't even know what you're talking about. I've never talked to God before at all. Can I encourage you to something? Start like this. Dad? In heaven? Do I even have a dad in heaven? Dad in heaven, I want to get to know you. Because he wants to get to know you in a more intimate way too. Let's just have a moment's quiet and ask the Holy Spirit how he wants to speak to us through what's been happening this morning. You might want to write it down or whatever else you want to do. To the beginning of this new phase and this new season in life, we adjust our sails, we adjust our lives into what God has for us. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that you would speak to us. Speak into our hearts. Lord, is there one thing you want us to take away from this morning, whatever it might be? Would you clarify it? Would you burn it, Lord, into our hearts that we will not forget? And would you adjust us into all that you have for us in Jesus' name? Amen.